Hello and welcome to another episode of Running the Race podcast. Running the Race is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana, and strives to provide a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To learn more about who we are and what we believe, head over to our website, www.fbcg.net. There you can access more episodes of the podcast, view or listen to sermons and services, or use any of the other great resources that we have over at the site. Our speakers today are Jim Law, Senior Pastor of FBCG, and our Minister to Students, Alex Ray. We kick off Season 2 of the podcast with the launch of Pastor Jim's book project. Life on the Altar, The Life We Are Called to Live, is a pastoral discussion of themes set forth in Romans 12. Today, Alex interviews Jim about the project. What does life on the altar mean? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Is it even possible to live a life that is pleasing to God? And what is, to use the Apostle Paul's phrase, our spiritual worship? Finally, how can believers flip the script on the world's agenda by living the life Christ has called us to live? This is Alex here with Jim. And Jim, it's been Long quite, time. A few, quite a few moons since the last time we sat and had a conversation. Uh, I was looking at our last podcast. We did it um, about a little over six months ago, uh, yeah. last June. And then we took a little bit of a break. And it's now the end of that break. And why, why did we take that long break? Well, because um, there was an immersion in writing a book, which uh, uh, was a, quite a labor. And um, so we set the podcast aside for uh, a few months mm-hmm. um, in order to focus on that. And I really appreciate you and Jared helping me through the editing and uh, getting that to the publisher and um, excited about that coming out. Yeah, we, we've been, it's been a fun process. And I was thinking... You know, I actually about 15 minutes ago before we got together, I went on Amazon and I looked up books on Christian living and I found that there are over 60,000 books on quote unquote Christian living. And so maybe a question might come up. Why another book on the Christian life? Do you think there's, yeah. a lot, there's too many out there? There's there room for another one? Right. In in the back of my mind, I, I do have, um, you know, just a... Um, the thought of uh, the reader's time. Why would you write on a, on a book that's so well represented? Mm-hmm. And I think um, this book is about how the gospel is fleshed out in a believer's life. And it's written for the Christian who wants to align or realign their life commitments with, with God's purposes. And what's, what's unique here, Alex, and what my appeal would be is just on the unique, um, the uniqueness of Romans 12. Uh, the power of, of the God, uh, of, of the Epistle of Romans and mm-hmm. uh, the practical section, which m- maybe doesn't get as much attention, but when Paul says "therefore" in Romans twelve one, yeah, I think that's probably the most significant "therefore" in in history, mm-hmm. as he has just made the case systematically for the power of the gospel, which he's not ashamed of, and he outlines it very carefully. Uh, then to say, in light of these mercies, this is how you're supposed to live. So yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that the book will offer um, a fresh perspective on on what it means to to follow Christ in our generation. So is that, is that where the title um, for the book, The Life on the Altar, obviously coming from Roman 12? Yes, oh, yeah, the command to, to present yourselves to God as a, a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's temple language. That's sacrificial language, and we know that Paul is not talking about you know sacrificing for the purpose of appeasing God or trying to earn His favor. Salvation. That's that's what he spent eleven chapters you know outlining for us mm-hmm. is that this is what God has done through Jesus Christ, 
And yet we're called to present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. You mentioned in the uh, in the intro um, of the first couple chapters that this book would, it, is a personal one for you. Uh, how, how is it personal for you? Well, yes. Uh, you know, just uh, in thinking about what I really wanted to present is I just can't get over my conversion for nearly 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. As a college student sitting on a park bench, um, just really home for, for the summer after my sophomore year of college and feeling the weight and burden um, of my heart that there's got to be more to life than what I'm living. And for the first time, really, that I can remember that being the first first moments of uh, awakening for me to call out to God for help. And um, uh, early in my teen years, my grandparents um, gave me a, a study Bible for Christmas. And I can remember opening that up and just rolling my eyes and thinking, oh, that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, sarcastically and, you know, just throwing it at the bottom of my closet. Sure. And uh, I can remember going to get it for the first time, attending church. Um, and so in the in the course of that summer, uh, heard um, Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Mm-hmm. And that was a new beginning that summer. I was born again, and my life changed went away to school and was committed to serve, serve Christ in my college experience and was involved in campus ministry. So personal in that way, mm-hmm. um, that I really do believe it's the power of God unto salvation. But also it's personal in the sense that I'm approaching the 30-year mark with the same church family as a pastor and um, wanted to capture that life, uh, which has been full and rich in so many ways. And so uh, 30 years, nearly 30 years with the same church family. Um, and uh, that comes out in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number from Hurricane Katrina uh, to tragic uh, deaths, to how COVID impact our, impacted our church, sure. uh, and other personal examples of what it means to live life on the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another unique part of my pastorate here, Alex, as you know, is that this church has sent me um, a number of times in the mission field, 30 to be exact, um, over the last 20 years. And um, specifically um, uh, to East Asia, working with Advanced International to train pastors in areas of, of severe persecution. Mm-hmm. And that's just been one of the great privileges of my life. So 40 years, um, nearly 40 years of walking with Christ, nearly 30 with the same church family, and 20 with... Um, training pastors and and severely persecuted regions of the world doesn't make me an expert by any means just a fellow sojourner and i'm just really determined not to grow weary uh in living life on the altar and seeking to honor christ and everything that's fantastic and and i think it's the the book really does read um very heartfelt and very genuine and very sincere and and it was encouraging to to read it um over the past uh, few months. And I thought a, a good way for us to, as we kind of walk through these, this episode and, and uh, perhaps a few more to kind of walk through some of these, these main points that kind of outline right. as you walk through the book. And, yeah. and uh, you know, so maybe walk us through your thought process on how you, why did you decide on this particular format, excuse me, this layout that we have, right. the chapter headings and so on? Yeah, I, I was really determined to let Romans 12 and the last four or five chapters of Romans to guide the, um, the direction of the book. Mm-hmm. And so part one um, is presenting ourselves to God as living sacrifices. 
uh, verses one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, part two of the book, um, there are 16 chapters. Uh, part two is presenting ourselves um, um, to God for in body life. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul takes us in verses three through eight. The need, uh, life on the altar necessarily leads to a body life, life in a church body. Mm-hmm. And that's often neglected. I think it's probably the most neglected aspect of Christian living today is this idea that we can live the Christian life merely by watching YouTube videos of our favorite preacher or podcasts or, um, you know, just checking out. And the pandemic hasn't helped that with the, with live streams and other things. And so I think Paul uh, calls us to um, identify as a body. Um, And then the third section, um, presenting ourselves to God for supernatural living. What, What does that mean? Well, you know, just from verses 9 through 21, Paul mentions a number of things that are astonishing. He, he talks about um, rejoicing and hope, being patient in tribulation, and uh, bless those who persecute you. It sounds mm-hmm. an awful lot like the Sermon on the Mount. Right. And he, he goes on to talk about repay no one evil for evil mm-hmm. and how to treat our enemies, um, that if your enemy is hungry, uh, feed him. And my my point, where as I think about these verses, is we can't do that on our own, right? And the Christian life is is to be supernatural in the sense that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world, and 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 the light of Christ shining through us. And then the the final um, part, uh, part four, is um, presenting ourselves to God for the advance of the gospel, which really goes at the heart of why Paul wrote the Book of Romans. He was trying to rally that church of Jew and Gentile, which perhaps there were some tensions there, um, to be kind of a ministry hub to send him out westward to Spain and other places. Mm-hmm. And so Romans has the longest introduction of all Paul's letters um, because he didn't plant the church. Right. And so he's he's you know appealing to them in these final chapters um, to be unified for the purpose of the of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a very informative, that every church should live with a what I call an Acts 1-8 concentric, you know, where we have our local community, where we live and move and have our being mm-hmm. and spend our lives. But we're all, all also looking out to the ends of the earth as Christ commanded. And mm-hmm. so we're looking to mobilize and partner for the spread of the gospel. But I think Alex just um, uh, just the the closing chapter is that life on the altar has a purpose. It has a destiny, mm-hmm. um, and we're to every true believer we're headed to the throne of God above. Mm-hmm. And I close the book with what I pray would be a robust um, conversation on um, on heaven, sure, uh, where we'll present ourselves to God forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And um, often conversations about heaven. Are are kind of colorless in Christian circles, uh, uh, like um, you know, an air conditioning without Freon in the summer. It's just not. It's just not refreshing. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping chapter 16 would really just refocus our, our thoughts on heaven, and sure. um, and we have every reason to be excited. That's our destiny in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned in uh, in chapter two, you used an interesting word. You, you say that. Uh, the, the chapter two uh, title is paradox of the Christian life. What do you, what do you mean by paradox? You mean contradiction? Do you mean such sort of tension that's being had? Uh, what, what what do you mean by paradox of the Christian life? 
Right. Uh, paradox is something that appears to be a contradiction. That's that's how I'm presenting it here. Mm-hmm. It's something that appears to be a contradiction, but it's nevertheless true. Okay. And I think it's important um, for the, the Christian to think through um, parts of the Bible that blow our mind. Mm-hmm. That stre- there are often tensions in the Bible that are important that I recognize in order to remain faithful in Such what as. I believe. Um, Especially like the Trinity, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. yes. Uh, that's a great example, mm-hmm. the Trinity. Um, you know, there are boundaries in Scripture that I must acknowledge. Um, uh, I, when you talk about the Trinity in particular, we're talking about the person and nature of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Grudem's um, little outline is helpful. Um, God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. Right. Well, that, you know, on the face of it, someone that's a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. The Christian faith is rational. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a mystery. We're talking about the person of, who, uh, of God. But I, Scripture has revealed him in this way. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not at liberty to say, well, you know, I think God, uh, when I think of God, I think of and then make up my own sure. um, cafeteria style deity. Right. Um, so uh, also, the, you know, the Scripture uh, itself who wrote scripture, the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, was it God? Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, what about, you know, human being, human writers? Well, yes, that's true too. Right. So how do I reconcile that tension mm-hmm. and that the words written by human authors who varied in backgrounds and vocabulary and style and other aspects and goals, and, and goals mm-hmm. nevertheless, um, um, uh, were inspired by God that is God breathed mm-hmm. and should be received by the believer. So the, these paradoxes we find through, throughout the, the death of Christ, Alex, mm-hmm. you know, who killed Jesus? Uh, was it the Romans? Well, yeah. Was it Herod? What, yeah. Pilate, mm-hmm. you all were participating in mm-hmm. that, but nevertheless, God, um, um, put forth his son to die, to accomplish his redemptive purposes. So the reason I, I mentioned this in chapter two is, is to think about another paradox in Romans 12, living a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. a living sacrifice. And so um, how are we to understand that? Sure. I know someone else you, you mentioned in this, uh, in this section, you mentioned Bonhoeffer mm. and Bonhoeffer's um, famous uh, quote about when Christ calls, he, he bids that we come and die, which, which is a bit tension filled as well. Mm. Um, but why did you, why would you settle on that? Out of all, out of all the quotes that you could have used, uh, that maybe stuck out, it could have stuck out to you. What made this one so applicable and um, and and friendly in the discussion? Well, I think because of the indelible mark of Dietrich Bonhoeffer upon you know the 20th century Christianity, his mm-hmm. his martyr's death, and um, his emphasis on what he called cheap grace, which has been debated. Um, but you know the the watering down of what it means to follow Christ. Bonhoeffer spoke of preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance. Right. Grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. And so um, I, I, I felt like that really captured um, you know, the, the essence of, of presenting ourselves to God and going back to Jesus's own demands, which are often ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Mm-hmm. That means to follow Christ, uh, uh, we come to an end of ourself. we we have a new master. Mm-hmm. We have a savior, a Lord that we are committed to. 
um, above all things. And that goes to the uh, another question, which is, um, you know, is it how is it and how is it possible to to live to to please God? And then also too, in in relation to that, how do we make sure that you know if we're leaving to, if we're living to please God that we don't fall into the trap of legalism in the right. sense that you know I must do this therefore so that God likes me. Right. Well, the sacrifices of the old covenant um, were said to be a soothing aroma to, to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when Paul speaks of this living sacrifice, really it comes down to acts of obedience done in faith for the glory of the Lord, that um, sacrifices offered in faith and obedience are well-pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of comfort. Can I receive that on, 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 on you know, just on the, on, on that, that idea that if I live by faith— because I know that it's impossible to please him without faith, Hebrews eleven six, mm-hmm. um, that that living by faith and obedience, what he's commanded in Scripture, that my life is well pleasing to him, mm-hmm. and that I'm not trying to earn merit badges to be re- that he would like me better. Right. Um, that's the whole point of the gospel and the mercies of God that he speaks of in this verse. Right. And uh, so, so motivation matter. Yes. So the the reason why we're doing these particular things, even though they might be good things. Um, church things, so to speak, um, Christian things, so to speak, it, the motivation behind them uh, matter. I guess you get that. You get that. You know, if you step away from Roman twelve for a moment, and you go mm-hmm. to that's one of the problems that Jesus had with the Pharisees that their heart was not in the right in the right place at all. That they were a whitewashed tomb. They, mm-hmm. they looked great on the outside, but they were just absolutely dead on the inside. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I even referenced J.I. Packer in his. Um, his book on holiness that uh, the primary motivation for the Christian is, is gratitude. So rather than I'm going to do this to get God off my back, mm-hmm. um, in light of his mercies to me, I freely, willingly, joyfully serve him. And uh, everything I do is to, to point others to him. That's yeah. quite a different motivation altogether. That's a great question for us. I think to ask ourselves from time to time, um, is you know why? Why am I doing these things? Right. Why, why yeah. am I getting up in the morning to read my Bible? Why am I getting up or spending any, yeah. any time in prayer at all? Why do I go to church? Right. So, why? You know, why am I giving anything? Yeah. yeah or what, what's behind that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then we also talked about um, in in the in these first couple chapters the idea of that worship. That makes perfect sense. And what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by worship that makes yeah, perfect sense? Yeah. That you know where he says um, in. In verses, um, in the last part of verse um, one, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's really kind of an interesting um, breakdown. The the two words used in the Greek text, logikos and latria. Logikos is the source of the English word logical. And it can mean either a rational, genuine, something that's true, or in a figurative sense, spiritual so logikos uh, against uh, latria, uh, which can be translated worship or service, and it's always used in describing religious service to God. So the various translations, the King James, your reasonable service, um, English, the ESV, your spiritual service, the New Living Translation emphasizes um, um, uh, truly the way to worship him. So whether we translate this phrase reasonable service or spiritual worship, it seems to capture uh, both the ideas. So to follow Jesus Christ is is a faith relationship 
in which we give ourselves to him. Um, and this makes perfect, perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. that's what Paul's point is in light of what Christ has done for us. This is the, th- this makes perfect sense to live mm-hmm. this way. And go- going back to that motivation of gratitude, that is the gratitude mm-hmm. and our love for Christ that because he first loved us, therefore we're doing all these things. Yes. In no way do we sacrifice for atonement. That only Christ can can accomplish that for right. us. Um, After the Book of Hebrews, you're getting that you know, mm-hmm. as well. It gets that time and time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you end this section on uh, with with the the title heading uh, "Flipping the Script of the World's Agenda." Uh, that's an interesting phrase. What, what do you mean by that? Well, his he closes by saying that our minds need to be renewed. Okay. And not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And um, and that you might prove what is and discern what is the perfect will of God. And so, this renewal of our minds um, is part of growing as a Christian. Um, and that I, I I need to give myself over to um, God's Word, spiritual disciplines that He's given that we might grow in grace. Um, I, I mention in this chapter as well that this is this is key to closing what. Um, Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp call the gospel gap. Okay. Um, that gap in our grasp of the gospel and how we live it, live it out. And so renewing mine means I'm changing my thoughts and attitudes and behavior and conduct and speech and all, every aspect of my life to conform, wanting to be conformed into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, that is how um, we grow as believers and often people make professions and there's no renewing of the mind and there's this massive gap to what you a believer says they believe and how they live it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is part of discerning God's will, too. We spend some time on, uh, on that as Paul closes by saying what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God, mm-hmm. yeah. that we can know that, that God doesn't want his people groping in the darkness wondering, when, you know, how am I supposed to live? Right. Um, that, that's a really practical question too. That I've, I've heard that I've had people ask me that, especially uh, young students, mm-hmm. uh, either uh, high school or even college age. You know, how, how do I know God's will for my life? They're trying to make this uh, major life decision, job mm-hmm. decision, school decision, so on and so forth. And and the question comes up: How do I know God's will? And so I think that's a really important question, really significant uh, question, and one I think they'll they'll certainly benefit from reading through this and mm-hmm. and and thinking through it. Yeah, I would really urge, um, you know, just a, a look at that chapter in particular. Um, I think it's liberating that if I'm rightly related to, to Christ in a saving faith relationship with him, if I'm um, walking in obedience and seeking him, if I'm responding to the sufferings and the struggles of the Christian life and faith, if I'm, you know, applying uh, the applications of his word to my life, and all those things being what they are, that as I'm facing different decisions, I can be confident that um, that God is working in my circumstances and I'm right. free to make these decisions in faith before him, mm-hmm. confident that he's going to guide my steps. Yeah, that's, that's certainly liberating for sure. Yeah. But when do you expect this book to be available? Yes, uh, within the week. It's With- a- yeah. As a as a recording right now within the week, right? So um, first part of February, and okay. um, it's on Amazon now uh, for pre-order, um, both the Kindle and the paperback version. I just would encourage our listeners uh, to get a copy, and um, 
I, I hope you'll read it. Um, it's offered uh, with love and a hope to point others to um, the wonder of God's promises in Christ. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race podcast. To find out more information about our church and our ministry or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcast, a positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for doing that. If you found the podcast to be interesting and helpful, recommending us to a friend or family member that you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.